Football is back in action, and this season, you're the MVP. Because instead of running to the store at halftime when the cooler ran dry, you remember Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, and didn't miss a minute of game time. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits and get them all delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get drinks delivered before game time. Hello and welcome to the CineStream Club, the weekly pod where we pick a film that society adores and run it through the CineStream test, where we answer the big questions like... What should have been left on the cutting room floor? Or who could Tom Hanks play in this movie? Don't forget to subscribe and review and like and share and all that kind of stuff that people usually ask for. But please do it if you like the podcast because it really does help. Here we go. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This week on the Sinistream Club, we're going full Irish with The Commitments. What's your name, pal? Joseph Fagan. Joey the Lips Fagan. And I'm Jimmy the Bollocks Rabbit. I earned my name from a horn plane. What'd you earn yours for? Don't get snotty with me, son. I get snotty with no man. What are you doing in Dublin? I'm tired of the road. My mammy isn't very well. Why would you want to join us? The Lord sent me. The Lord blows my trumpet. What did Evil Knievel want? God sent him. What? God sent him. The fucking Suzuki. Andrea! Ed! Hey, Trev. Welcome to the Zoom room. <laughs> hey, Trev. We've walked in on you Where's watching a classic movie yet again. Yeah, hey, I've just I've just turned it off. Guys, I don't suppose you've just been watching The Commitments, because that's what I've just switched off. Just what a coincidence. So yeah, just hey. finished it. Well, let's engage the CineStream team, and let's begin. Activate. The CineStream Club. Activate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This week, it, this is a special week, I suppose, because it's Paddy's week, Saint Patrick of Ireland, the famous Welsh um, yeah. saint. Entrepreneur. He was an entrepreneur, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Destroyer of snakes. But for Saint Patrick's week, we said we'd watch an Irish film. And we were kind of restricted. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of Irish films available on streaming platforms. And the ones that are available are kind of like crappy Hallmark kind of style, you know. Yeah. Johnny went to Ireland f- for a job and found the love of his life kind of shite. Um, so th- there's not a lot of good content. And w- we all, I think, wanted to do something from the Barrytown trilogy. Probably the snapper was what we're really looking at, mm. what we really wanted to do. But the only thing available to us legally was the commitments. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the commitments. First question that we always cover is what does the film mean to you? What does it, what memory does it evoke? Me, th- there's two things that, that I remembered when I was watching it. And, and the first main one was, I remember being a kid seeing this film for the first time and looking at all the, the crew, all the, the band on the dart going through Dublin. And as a lad living in the country, looking at this film that's set in Dublin, looking at all these cool dudes on a, on a dart that kind of looks like a subway train. It, like, it kind of felt like it was New York or something. And I, I'd never felt so far away from like what Dublin was <laughs> than, than, I, than I did at that time, point in time. Because to me, Dublin was just a place that you, you jumped on the 103 country bus from Ashbourne to Dublin once a year to do your, 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 you know, your Santa shopping. And that was it. 
that's what Dublin was. You go to the Ilex Centre and you get a you get a photo with Santa and you, you fuck off home. But seeing these cool guys in leather jackets on the darts, it was just I, I I felt like I was like it was like watching Midnight Cowboy or something like you know the cowboy like Dustin Hoffman and John Voight going into New York. It was crazy. It blew my mind to think that there was a a train like that that looked like that in Dublin. So the big that was just something that, the big the big and 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 it was just that that phrase the big smoke never was more never was more relevant I suppose. Um, that was something that really kind of that I remember and I totally forgot about that memory. It was only when I was watching it the other night that I, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And then the other thing was, and it's more of a silly thing, I remember when I was a kid watching it, my favourite song from the whole thing, probably everyone's favourite song was Mustang Sally. And I remember they sung it in that first rehearsal in the song mm. or in the movie, they, they sung it in the first mm. rehearsal. And it was brilliant. Red and Sally, then they don't, Red Sally, Red. And they don't sing it again until way down the film. And I remember as a kid, every time I'd watch it, I'd always be complaining, saying, "That's their best song. Why don't they open with that song?" So, like, I suppose <laughs> if the if the nine year old Trevor directed the commitments, it would have been the same film, but every single performance would have just been Mustang Sally. <laughs> so it would have just been like seven performances of Mustang Sally throughout the whole movie. But that, that, that they're my memories of the movie anyway. Um, Andrea, what about you? What, what, what did you remember uh, watching this? So the first time I saw this film, I was about 14 and 13, 14. And it was when I had gotten into the frames and, you know, <laughs> I, was, I, I thought you meant like you, when you joined the frames. Like when, <laughs> yeah, 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 I just gotten into the frames. Uh, I, I had just. <laughs> I learned. I learned to play the tambourine. I learned to play the guitar, and I was playing a lot of frames music. And my friend was like, "You know, yeah, Glenn Hansard was in a film." It's like, sorry, what? <laughs> he was in a movie, <laughs> right? I have to watch that now. And you know, like, yeah. I watched it as a teenager, and I. It didn't. It didn't really impress me too much. Just I don't think it was my thing. I think I just watched it to say to my mates who I fancied, who liked the frames, that like, oh, Matt, have <laughs> you have you ever seen this film that he's in or whatever? Um, mm. But Jesus, rewatching it just blew my mind. And I think it's because there's nothing better than watching a film set where you're from. It's like how Irish... Mm. It's like how everyone gets excited when their town is on the news, even if it's for a murder. You know? Uh, like, watching... <laughs> and because I, I was older now, and... See, because when I saw it as a teenager, I hadn't started drinking yet. I hadn't been in Dublin pubs. But watching it last night, I was just... We, me and my brother were playing a game of, like... What pub is that? Oh, that's that pub. Oh, yeah, there, there's this, yeah. this, and this, and um, I loved it. That was a bit of a, like a giddy, a giddy excitement. It made me miss uh, being out. And I know we said we don't talk about the c word, but my god, it made me miss it. <laughs> Do you know what I? I and look, and I go to you, Ed, now as well. But just on that note, that was the big thing from watching the commitments. Like, it's the first movie, literally the first movie since the start of the pandemic where, like, I've, I've looked at crowds and movies and kind of said, oh, that's weird and that's weird. But the commitments, because it's set in Dublin, it really hit home how yeah. much I missed being in Dublin in a busy pub, yeah. smelling somebody's sweat and, and just, like, 
rubbing off somebody in a in a in a in a, norm, in a, <laughs> a consensual way. But the, <laughs> but, uh, the big the big gig they do towards the end, the inside of that, mm. I'm almost ninety eight. That's, that's Wheelands, yeah, because I recognise the barriers. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. pillar. Yeah. I recognise the pillar. And, and the I recognise the pillar. Yes. Yeah. Ed, what about you? What memory does it evoke for you? Yeah, I when I first saw it, I was you know a country bumpkin. I had never really been up to Dublin that much. You know, I, you know, I didn't move up to Dublin until my kind of early uh, to mid twenties, early to mid to late twenties, uh, an undisclosed <laughs> age. I moved up to Dublin, <laughs> but yeah, when I when I first saw it, I, I I went to see it in the cinema again. Old old man alert. I mean, I guess I was like fifteen when it came out, and I think I went to see it with my dad. And it was one of those things where, like, there's so much swearing in this movie. Like, there's so much swearing. And mm. yeah, it's one it. of those things where, where if it was made today, there definitely wouldn't be as much swearing because they try and make it, you know, 15s or whatever, uh, or, yeah. you know, a rated R uh, as it would have been when it was released in America. And I think that's one of the reasons why some people say that it didn't, make as much money as it did i think they did it was a kind of a phenomenon and it sort of shone a light on you know ireland and irish talent and music yeah. for better or mm -hmm. worse but it didn't do as well because it was just like you know when like when the three when the three girls are going up the ladder over the top they, you know, and they're <laughs> arguing amongst themselves. They say fuck about 28 times in 14 yeah. seconds. But like, oh, yeah, yeah. When, when, but that wasn't a concern when I went to see it when I was like 15. It was just that was just funny. And that was just the way people talked. And there was no, you know, nowadays it's all this contains mild peril and uh, bad language. So, you know, be careful. But I remember seeing it and being struck by and kind of being sucker punched a little bit. Well, not sucker punched, but the way the movie ends, and I assume if people are listening to this, they've seen the commitments. It ends in this weird sort of melancholic kind of, they almost could have made it, but they didn't. Uh, but they still got a little bit of, like, you know, a little bit of hope and a little bit of uh, uh, piss and vinegar out of the experience. And it sort of spurred them on to do other things. But I... I didn't expect that kind of ending. I thought it was going to be like a happy ending. And I think it was yeah. one of the first times where I saw a movie where it was like, oh, this is just what happens in life. Sometimes things don't work yeah. out. But yeah. but the fact yeah. that you've done that spurs you on to other things, you know? Because I think without the commitments, shout, yeah. without the commitments, I don't think I would have started to learn how to play the guitar, uh, even though I was a big Elvis fan. Um, yes, uh, didn't you just like uh, Jimmy Rabbit Senior? Yeah, Ed, yeah, exactly. The yeah, of the the Elvis Appreciation Society <laughs> of Burr, maybe. Of Burr, but no, I was I was an official <laughs> member of the fan club of Ireland. Yeah, but I wasn't the president. That's um, that's you're an official member of the Elvis Irish fan club. Yeah, for like a year when I was fourteen, uh, but I wasn't the president. I mean that that is too. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have the money to lobby for a, a position like that. And it's who you know. I mean, it's who you know. They'll, nowadays, they'll give it to any old grease teddy boy uh, singing hound dog. 
what, what did you being got... a member of that club entail? You got respect, <laughs> street, street cred. Oh, the Burr. street cred was through the roof. You got like you got like a yeah. monthly. Um, it's quite sad, actually. You got like someone would obviously make it in their gaff, and they'd photocopy a thing, and then they'd hand staple it, and it was like oh. a newsletter thing. But it was all stuff about. It was weird because it was all stuff about, you know, Elvis being such a kind man, and all these kind of weird, almost pseudo religious stories of. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds a bit religious, yeah. Of, like, of um, Elvis being such a nice man, and you know, like completely ignoring all the gun shooting, watching chicks, you know, wrestling cotton underpants and taking drugs and puking in trumpets, kind of carry on that he did. That, that, that that's, happened. That's a part of yeah, the yeah. film I actually love when uh, Mr. Rabbit has Jimmy the Lips in the house and he sits him down. He's like, yeah. "No." Did you ever see him messing around with? And he can barely say the word yeah. drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's sacrilegious. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's such an Irish thing as well to like take somebody, just take some stranger's word for something, and like you know that like yeah. Jimmy Rabbit Senior will quote Jimmy Lips for the rest of his life. That's yeah. just pure fact. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. randomer that was in his house, you know, I heard this lad, uh, and yeah, um, yeah. But for me, like you guys, uh, you know, are from the country, from Dublin uh, County, essentially, mm. uh, Swords Dublin area. But like County. for me, it was, yeah, it was even more because I remember coming up to Dublin as a kid and like double decker buses blew my mind, like a bus on top of oh, another no, bus. Double decker, double decker buses were a thing of wonder for a yeah. man from Garriston as well. We didn't have them in Garriston. We yeah. didn't even have a bus in Garriston. <laughs> and the dart in the movie I, 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 it actually made me laugh because when they're on the dart and he's you know he's singing about um, or he, no so he, uh, Jimmy Rabbit is talking to them about what soul means and it you know comes from here it's about yeah. sex and whatever and it's real earnest and then I was like oh look the seats are exactly the same now as they were in 1991 <laughs> like they haven't they haven't changed yeah. the seats on the dart at all <laughs> it's yeah. like that's the kind of that's the experience I have with it now is just kind of like you were saying like looking at all the locations and looking at Smithfield and how how massively different Smithfield is now compared to then like it was just it was literally yeah. just a horse fair and you see that at the beginning of the movie yeah, but to your point, also how some things have remained the same. And as a kid, the dirt looked like some modern, like Bruce Wayne's dad just built this and put it through Dublin kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But now you're on the dirt and you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what it looked like when I was on the commitments. And, and that's the same experience that I had when I went to New York, because when, when I was a kid watching New York, it was like New York was this like cool, like metropolitan place. And my first time going to New York, I, I, I love New York. My first time visiting there wasn't me. Yeah, there's a bit of going to Times Square and looking up at the buildings, but it's also the idea of kind of visiting a relic. Like this is something that there's parts of New York that just hasn't changed in years and years and years. Yeah, and that's kind of cool as well. And that's like every city has that, you know. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Like the, watching the commitments, it's just nostalgia. You're you're seeing things that have changed and how things were, but then you're looking at things that are, you know they're still the same. Um. Yeah. And, and when you see Ireland in like 1990, obviously that's when they shot it. Ireland looks like 1970s America or something. We're always like, yeah, 
you know, 20 years behind uh, everyone else, it seems. Always, but, yeah. Because yeah. for me, like the beginning of, of the movie where like Jimmy Rabbit is walking through Smithfield and it's like people selling jumpers and lads looking at horses' teeth uh, and all that stuff. It was just crazy looking. Like it just looked like um, the 1920s or something. This is the thing that I find interesting when you watch the commitments, right? It's set in like it's released ninety one, set in the nineties, or nineteen ninety, should I say? If I was say an American watching the commitments, yeah, right, yeah, I'd be thinking, oh, that was Ireland about thirty years ago. God, yeah, that that, that must be what Ireland's like now. And I don't know what like how many other current countries are out there that has changed so drastically in the last 30 years. I remember hearing recently um, on a different podcast uh, that in 1990, Ireland was on the same level as Pakistan is today. <laughs> like that's where we were ranked globally. Like that's, that's where we were in the world. But now we're like in the top 10. Like, like there's all, obviously it depends on what, like whether it's The Economist magazine or whether it's like writers or whatever it is yeah. or OECD. But like, no matter what the the source, we float, flit and float between the top five and the top ten countries in the world in in terms of wealth, and we came from a place of like Pakistan level, so <laughs> it, it's crazy. So it, it 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 is crazy to watch the commitments and see. It, it is like watching into it, like I know you're looking into the past, but it's like looking at a different country sometimes. Like that market scene at the start, that that's just not like there are parts of Ireland that will always be like that will always be around, and. The, the sense of humor and the, the way people talk and, and some parts of the city just will never change. But yeah. that opening scene, that's gone forever. You'll never see that again in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just, you know. I love, the, I love the madness of it. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Like, the, the, like children just lying on the street, you know, pick, crying. Picking up pigeons you know. and just like... <laughs> <laughs> look yeah. deck checking out their wings like oh is this a good pigeon no like oh. yeah yeah i love the bit when he's trying to sell him a, a cassette tape uh the, the guy selling all the all the all the tapes and jimmy has a has a tape for him and uh your man just looks at it and goes fuck off <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first fuck off of the movie yeah. and it's br it's like one of the best ones yeah. it's fucking brilliant uh we'll probably just say fuck a lot on this podcast yeah. because of <laughs> The film. In honor of the so film, so I apologize. In, in honor of the film, yeah, yeah. But you know what I felt about with this film, and like my brother actually pointed out, uh, he at the very start when they're assembling the gang, he Declan mm -hmm. just said like this is like a like a heist movie in a way, except yeah. instead of pulling off yeah. a heist, Get the band together. yeah, they're Get getting the, the bank, they're getting the band together, and they have to pull yeah. off mm. this gig. And I can see why it would just appeal to you know. You don't have to be from Dublin to love this film. I know everyone hates people from Dublin, but like, Jesus, it's a fucking deadly film. But that, it's a beautiful segue, Dre, into the next topic of what genre is it and what other movie is kind of better than this or a better version of this. And I effectively have the genre of this basically being let's let's get the let's get the band together. Let's get yeah. the gang together. And the other types of movies <laughs> that I have that could be better than this, I, I've listed it as like. The Mighty Ducks is one of them. The Magnificent Seven is one of them. Uh, the Replacements. It's basically a bunch of randomers being pulled together for a common goal. Yeah. Um, I've got totally musical musical heist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, musical yeah, heist. absolutely. That's the genre. 
<laughs> I have yeah, yeah. profane Irish musical soul movie. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I actually thought it was most closely resembled, uh, which is something I never really thought about. Yeah, because it's got. You could say it's more like the. It's like the Blues Brothers. You know, they, they yeah, get out of yeah, prison. Right, oh yeah, yeah. And they yeah. have to. They have to get the the band back together to save the orphanage and blah blah. blah. But in some ways, you could say it's like. Um, uh, the full Monty was like uh, instead of soul music, it was stripping. But the full Monty yeah. is a similar yeah. thing. A bunch yeah. of guys who don't have much prospects in life, you know, that they, yeah. they're on the dole because they have that scene where, you know, Jimmy Rabbit's drawing the dole, collecting, collecting the, dole, the dole, and then he runs into the other guy who's like, it feels a lot better being an unemployed musician than an unemployed pipe fitter, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, that's a scene that could have been in the full Monty, you know. I was going to say to you, is that the part where you had that thought? Because yeah. I made a note. Me too. I, I wrote down the full Monty yeah. just as a reference point, but I didn't think yeah. I didn't make that connection that you made. Well, out. I didn't. But I, I didn't write down the full Monty. I just kind of did a charcoal drawing of of an erect penis. Of but it was pretty much the same thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of the full Monty yeah. for sure, mm. and then I looked at the penis and went, "Oh yeah, the full Monty, of course." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, but that kind yeah. of like working class people. Who are trying, you know, to to rise above their their station, yeah. and they're trying to get out of whatever job they're doing. And of course, they have that montage, which, well, maybe we should get to. It's actually not. It's not a cutting room floor thing. It's just a kind of a. It's a thing in movies that doesn't make sense. In that, the, the, I I actually have it as a cutting room floor. floor oh, really? Yeah. yeah. When they're when they're playing, like your man's playing bass guitar. In the meat, upside the, down bass guitar on his left hand in a fucking freezer, yeah. surrounded by pigs. And they'd be like, "Do that at home. You're at work. Yeah. You don't <laughs> yeah. have time." Yeah. I mean, like your man Deco he can being can back on the dole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deco yeah, can absolutely. can sing on the bus, but like a lot of them are like clearly I, I don't think Deco not can working. Sing on the bus. That, like he's still, he's, he's collecting tickets. Those pure... Yeah, like he's not he's not collecting the tickets. He's not checking. The, uh, are people getting off at the right stop? And he's shouting that little girls getting their communion. Like yeah. shouting, screaming in their face. That's a bit aggressive. That made me laugh as well because I was thinking Americans watching this who don't have any notion of the the tradition of girls being dressed up as child brides for communion. <laughs> that they'd be like, you know, why are those why are those tiny uh, uh, girls getting married? I don't understand it. Why is <laughs> he screaming yeah. at those tiny girls? They're, they're they still just... have Catholics <laughs> in America. <laughs> they do suppose, that all yeah, over they do, the yeah. world. That weird child bride like tradition. <laughs> well, all, all yeah. the Presbyterians and Lutherans would be like confused. Yeah, all the all the, all the Jewish people would be like, I don't understand what's going on. Do you know what I love? And like as a kid, I, I like I read all the uh, Barrytown trilogy, the Barrytown trilogy books, like when I was very young, because it was almost like I just I just loved the way Roddy Doyle wrote, and because I knew lots of. I like how you say wrote, wrote. and not writes. Right, <laughs> no, I still, I still, I still. Love Do you still like the stuff? Like yeah, Roddy okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But. There'd be some people who might say that it's the film is maybe too like a caricature or whatever, but I I just mm, don't see yeah. that because no all of, you know you know the part where they go out of the back garden 
and the neighbor starts singing a song going, have you got a place yeah. for me in the band? Like yeah, all yeah. of those characters, I've met so many of them. They're they're yeah. like neighbors you have. They're like people 100%. in your family. Yeah. And that's what I like. Roddy Doyle, I think, yeah, like they, <laughs> he always writes from what he sees and he writes children very well. And I think when his films are made, even though the, the, the kids mightn't be, um, they're never really acting too much. It's always based on their natural reaction, you know, a lot of the time. But even yeah, yeah. just having all those children in it is brilliant. Like my, I think my, my favorite scene in the whole film is uh, when they have their first gig and the three girls get knocked off the stage. And there's a little girl, like a little kind of chubby girl, who is oh, yeah, yeah, laughing yeah. her head off, and she's just—it's yeah. obviously the the cameraman just just get kept catching her reaction and couldn't get enough yeah. of it. She is pissing herself, and I love that that was that was mm. kept in. There's so many one kind of line characters in this movie, yeah, yeah, that have such fucking amazingly funny lines, and that's Roddy Doyle in in cahoots with the other two writers um yeah who like wrote the likely lads and they wrote like sitcoms in england mm. so the combination of those two guys like they'll come up with a funny line i think i like i don't know how they wrote but it seemed to me like they would come up with or oh, you got to have like a little funny line here or someone say a funny yeah. line and it's almost like a sitcom kind of line but it but it's really irish and in some cases dublin centric you know yeah but I'd, I'd say he was collecting those lines all throughout his life, you know, and just yeah, yeah. blasting them out. Cause he, yeah, because he, um, he has that ability to just kind of uh, condense into a single line what, you know, what someone is like. Like, yeah, like yeah. The, the, your one next door who does that, yeah. And any chance for me, lads? Like, she's <laughs> yeah, really yeah, memorable. Yeah. She's in the, yeah, she's yeah, in it for like four seconds, but you'd never forget her. Yeah. It's like the woman, the woman in the, in the, in the church who's like scraping away at all the, the, the wax. And she goes, a lot of work. If you wouldn't do it for God, who would you do it for? <laughs> like, yeah, that's like yeah, something yeah. you'd hear in a fucking Coen Brothers movie, you know? And it is. It's just genius. And like yeah. I think one of my well, f- one of my favorite lines. Sorry, just because we're talking about lines, but nearly. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say let's just do the favorite quotes now. Why not? Yeah. Like, you know, because it makes sense. Well, we're doing it. Uh, but <laughs> but one what one of the lines I for some reason say, and you know, because sometimes you love a line so much you'll say it out of context, even like you just try to squeeze it in there. But I love the line where they're you know the lad that buy all the equipment off who. He, he has this line where he goes, yeah. you're, start, you're starting a band. I don't know why you bother. Everything's shite since Roy Orbison died. Oh, another another line, which isn't like a, a really a memorable line, but it's something myself and Johnny say, my brother Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Uh, hey, gut, Johnny. Guten Tag. Hey, Johnny. We used to say, over the top, over the top, <laughs> all the time. Because Joey the Lips' mother was just so, such a funny... Well, character that yeah paula actually when i was on one of my first dates with paula we 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 ended up started talking about the commitments and she was telling me about her i don't know how we got onto it um but she was telling me about her and her friend used to watch it when they were kids because it was you know it's dirty and there's lots of fucks in it so they wanted to just you know it was a bit of crack 
And the one thing that they always laughed at uh, was was uh, the lips, his mother, the the little story she says about, and no matter where he traveled to, no matter what country he was in, he always sent a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> it's such, a, such a weird, and it's because it's such a letdown from this exciting story yeah. that she's going to tell. But for years, Paula would like reference that from the commitments. That would be the big line she'd say yeah. to her friends that's and to her family. And nobody would, nobody, no. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's the line that she's quoting from the commitments. Oh, wow. My the, the one uh, line that I had a good old a good old lol on was uh, Colomini when um, is it Jimmy the Lips or Johnny the Lips? Joey the Lips. Keep getting mixed up. Joey, Joey the, the Lips. lips. Oh, God, I was saying I was saying Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's Jimmy Rabbit. Jo- yeah, Joey, so the, Joey lips the Lips. Fagan. When Joey the Lips meets Jimmy Rabbit at, at the start. And he tells him he's here from he's here from God. He's a messenger from God, and he wants to bring soul to Ireland and all this kind of stuff. When he heads off, Jimmy Rabbit Senior is there, and he's saying, "Who was that?" And he's like, "Oh, that's uh, that's Joey the Lips. Uh, he was he was sent from the God. Lord sent him. The Lord sent him. Yeah." And then Meanie's response on a fucking Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant line, and that's you talked about how. Like a lot of the lines are things that you'd really hear and you'd re- like proper lines that you would hear in Dublin. And it's yeah. because a lot of the best lines in the movie are like retorts, they're quips, they're, they're things back to people, yeah. they're zingers. Yeah, like. yeah. And that is, that, that is the Dublin banter. Yeah, if you're you know? good at like anything even, in Dublin, like you have to be good at a comeback. You have to be good at cutting, cutting the boots from underneath yeah. somebody. Yeah, and that's where the other line I had written down was, he was slagging Deco and he was saying, Deco the bus conductor, is that top Deco or bottom yeah. Deco? <laughs> That was a great line, but it's, it's just a great fucking slag. It, there's a lot of great slags in this film. Is this is this the band? Jesus, you two must be shitting themselves. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When I saw yeah, when I saw yeah. it in the cinema, pretty much every Colomini line got got a laugh. You know, I think Colomini has to be protected at all costs. Like he is just, yeah, just the like the best Irish export ever. Like you know, he's just <laughs> and. And the thing about it is, like, I know he's been in some, like, you know, American television, like Star, Star Trek, Trek and, yeah. you know, oh, some yeah. movies and stuff. But Bottom I also houses. feel that, <laughs> yeah, but I also feel that we also didn't fully export him. Like, he never, like, he's not like a global superstar, yeah. but he's well known in movie circles. So there's a bit of, like, we, it's like we kind of still have him, you know, we still, like, yeah. Yeah, still yeah. like our, our Dublin friend. Probably being in the probably the fact that he was in the Star Trek franchise just probably set him up for life because I think he he still yeah. goes to those um what are they called like conventions. conventions and stuff that those kind of things would be getting him a lot of money and he probably doesn't even have to work that hard a lot of people who are in successful sci-fi stuff yeah. can just but, syndication but, yeah. baby but he's been in he's been in um so many movies as well like you know he's yeah. been in yeah. Con Air um, I, was, I was trying to think of the Nick Cage movie, Connor. Yeah. yeah, is that the one he's driving around the little convertible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got a little car <laughs> yeah. that gets destroyed. He's such an asshole yeah, yeah. in that movie. He's a great comic actor, though. He's a very, very funny guy. One, one fact that I came across in my research: Do you know who owned the rights for the commitments and was going to make a sequel? Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> worse. Whoa. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, he oh. wanted to do a sequel in America. And couldn't get it off. It was going to be the commitments regroup to tour the states. He loved. Yeah. I bet you he loved that line. Like he loved all the yeah. kind of pervy lines about 
your man like treating the saxophone like a lady and he's like think about that sexy lady and he goes oh, I feel a bit embarrassed <laughs> she's still in school yeah. Yeah. Weinstein was like oh my god line yeah. him up Weinstein. for the sequel imagine the saxophone is looking for a gig and you invite her up to your hotel room <laughs> and you bring it in and you wear a robe and uh, you, the robe okay, falls oh, off <laughs> <laughs> the rope falls off. Yeah, Jesus. do that. I, I've, I, I have two favorite quotes, right? Um, and they're the kind of they're just the really dirty ones. So it's after they've done their first gig, and I think they're they're. It's like a few scenes later, and they're coming. The two girls, two of the girls, are coming out of. I think they're coming out of mass. They're coming out of a building, oh, and yeah, yeah. all these kids coming out of mass. Run, I think, run yeah. up beside, and they're like, "When's your next gig?" <laughs> Uh, Angelina Ball's character just goes, "All the kids around here will be thinking us what thinking of us when they're touching their yeah. wheelies," and the two yeah, of them just yeah, laugh their yeah. balls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Oh, like it's brilliant. All the kids will be thinking of us when they're touching their wheelies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. The, the, the girls had great quotes though. Yeah. In, yeah. in the film. Yeah. Like the, there was one that they said. Uh, when they're all dressed up in their yes. dresses. Will they and be eating like, the chips out of our knickers? That's my other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it? Sorry. Okay. I, I got, I, I, I that, shot my that load was, there. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like, I was crying laughing at that one. Like, they're just, they're just. What does it even mean? Oh, I, I, it's almost like it's just a Dublinism of they'll be eaten out of the palms of our hands. But how can we make that phrase fucking filthy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Jimmy? Will they be eating chips out of my knickers? <laughs> Like, what will there be like some sort of sauce on the chips <laughs> that it can only be? Like, I don't know. Oh man, for your consideration, what is the best scene, actor, theme, concept that you'd put to the academy? Um, there's there, like there's so much in it, like, I like quick ones that we don't even need even have to talk too much about, like, no brainer ones, like the Mustang Sally scene, just in general, every scene that Colomini is in. <laughs> And just his haircut is just something that I think should be submitted to the Academy. It's like one of the most fantastic haircuts <laughs> yeah, in yeah, any Irish yeah. film. But the, the one thing that I wanted to submit is the most unnecessary backdrop to a scene. So do you know the scene where Jimmy is going to his contact in the press to let him know that Wilson Pickett is going to be playing yeah. at the gig? Ronnie Drew's son. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that actor ah. is Ronnie yeah. Drew's son. Yeah, you can, and you can tell almost by looking at it. He's such a hard Drew face, but he he goes to meet him, uh, like on the street, and he, he's he's at a murder, he's at a murder scene. And no, it's a robbery, <laughs> and a, robbery, a horse yeah. got oh, killed the in the crossfire. Two, two horses got killed, and a car is crashed, and it's like such an unnecessary backdrop to a scene. Yeah. Like I'm just, I I was imagine like. The script supervisor talking to the set designer saying, OK, what are we doing? What do I need now for this uh, for this scene? And they're like, oh, well, it's just, you know, Jimmy's meeting with the press guy and they're going to have a chat outside. Oh, where is it? It's on, I think it's on Abbey Street. OK, well, I'll, I'll probably have to get in touch with Dublin City Council just to get a clearance for that. Anything else complicated? No, 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 nothing really. Just uh, two dead horses, a crashed car and about 200 onlookers. Uh, all right. OK, <laughs> what the fuck? So unnecessary. <laughs> Trev, for, for a... It's almost like it's almost like the production designer, you know, uh, w- got a phone call and went to Alan Parker and, and said, "Look, I know a lad who's got a dead horse that's going to waste." <laughs> yeah, it'd yeah, be a shame. Yeah. Ca- ca- is there any way we could get a 
get a dead horse in one <laughs> yeah, of the one of the it. scenes in this movie. Yeah, we we we've just we've just filmed this uh, Francis Ford Coppola movie uh, where uh, <laughs> where. So, like you know a couple of horses were killed for some bed scene uh, so I have a whole trailer full of dead horses here if you want to do something with but, them but do you know what I love the amount of times we see the horses in uh, like Roddy Doyle films because they're in mm. work class um, yeah. areas and estates and it, it just it reminds me of um, so my cousin some loads of my dad's side of the family they all emigrated over to America in the late 70s and so my cousins were born here, but they grew up in America. And uh, when one of my cousins, Deborah, she came home with her husband, Pat, and I was kind of driving them around the city, giving them a tour of all the places of our childhood. And Deborah grew up in Darndale. So she went from Darndale to New York City. And so I drove them through the estate and her husband, Pat, is from New Jersey. And uh, he was just like, Whoa! This place is crazy. Why are why are there horses just walking around, <laughs> smoking cigarettes? So like in one is in one, Where, why are the horses wearing leather jackets? We drove through the estate, right? And in one estate, in a five minute drive through, we saw children starting a bonfire, horses just roaming around, and then uh, children like under the age of eight on scramblers and it was just like the wild wild west and it was brilliant yeah. and deborah was like i told you i was from the ghetto of dublin <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like something that that was that that would have been made in the 1970s in america about like small town guys getting a band together or whatever you know but it's 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 in ireland but it has that thing where you know, because there wasn't really, to my mind, that I can think of a kind of a mainstream, crowd-pleasing, entertaining movie uh, set in Ireland about Irish people before before this. That wasn't like, you know, Darby O'Gill and the Little People or some kind of whimsical fucking nonsense. Yeah. You know, th- this is yeah. funny but real. And like talking about the horses and how many horses there are and how many kids there are cycling around screaming and like banging drums and shit. But when he's when mm-hmm. he's going up to the flats to see uh, Brona Gallagher, Gallagher's character, and yeah. there's a lad with a horse, <laughs> oh, and he's like, yeah. are, you, "Are you taking him up?" Waiting in this? on the lift. Waiting on the lift, yeah. And he's like, oh, "Yeah, the stairs will kill him." <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, L- yeah. Little lines like that, and that little scene yeah. where, because I remember looking at it, thinking you could have actually cut that scene completely because it doesn't really do anything. Uh, but when I watched it this time around, I said, oh, I guess it does. It's one of those scenes where it hammers home and kind of in a very blunt way because she's like, you know, she's got a, one kid hanging out of her and the other kids are running around knocking down uh, ironing boards and clothes and shit. And she's like, tell them to fuck off. Go out and fucking, <laughs> go out and fucking play. And yeah. she says to jimmy my man's about to drop another one yeah she goes <laughs> i i need i need this band more than anyone i need something to look forward to and it's a real yeah. kind of clang hitting the the theme of the movie yeah, on the head yeah. a little bit yeah but at the same time that was a bit on the it's nose, the only yeah. time that that really happens in the movie but i don't know we're not at cutting room floor but maybe that that could have been cut because it's kind of yeah. you know you, you you get that through 
you know, Jimmy's saying, think about that unless you want to spend the rest of your life, you know, packing frozen fucking chickens, you know, and he's yeah. like, yeah. you know, he's very blunt about it. Did um, any of you notice at the start of the film when he's at the Smithfield Market, there's a little child singing a Dubliner song, and it's one of my favourite Dubliner songs. It's the Spring Hill Mining Disaster. Mining disaster. Yes, oh, I know yeah. that song. Yeah, In the yeah, town yeah, yeah. of Spring, and that was I. I kind of thought. In um, a Cumberland mine. Yeah, like I kind of thought that that was almost a bit of a bit of a very mild foreshadowing for what was going to happen in the film. Well, you know, because yeah. they the you know the mine collapses and they all they all die together, and it's almost like they you know when the film goes on and all their egos get so inflated and I like I don't know this was just my own little a little bit of an interpretation from it well Andre it would have to be yeah. because you know they'd have to clear that song and they'd be like you know it's not an accident that he's singing that song at the, at the beginning yeah. like he's he's placed there and they're like, well, what song are you going to sing? Because we have to go get, make sure we can get the rights to use it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it pro- I mean, it probably was. Yeah, it probably was deliberate. Well, look, we're, we're I think we've put a lot of things forward there for, for your consideration. So let's move on to the cutting room floor and talk about that kind of stuff. Ed, you did talk there about the horse on the lift um, that whole kind of scene. Yeah, like maybe that like that's needless, and then maybe some of the things that happened in that scene were also needless and a bit on the nose. Speaking of needless scenes, the one scene that always wrecked my head, and like from the first time I ever saw the film, right up until, and I was reminded about it when I watched it the other night, when they're doing all the auditions uh, for you know who's going to be in the band, who's going to be the main singer. Yeah, there's the bit where Jimmy is in the bath. And he's doing his fake interview and, you know, Jimmy Sr. is like, oh, you got somebody else outside that wants to do an audition. And he, he looks out the bathroom window to the kid and he goes to the kid. Yeah. Oh, hey, w- w- what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'm a singer. He goes, oh, we'll sing a song. And he's like, oh, what out here? No, can I come in? No, you can't come in. And there's a bit of back and forth. Yeah. And then he doesn't let him in. The kid's too embarrassed and he just skateboards off. Yeah. And that's it. Now, there is trivia behind it. Like that kid, that boy is the boy from the cover of Boy, the U2 album. Yeah. So that's wow. that kid. Yeah, yeah. And he, and and he also turned out to be a professional skateboarder and quite a successful one, and that's why he was on a skateboard. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a, a bit of a call to that. But he, he, even though he was like... A, and that kid was a bit of a celebrity in Dublin because he was on that cover. Like, people yeah. would stop and take photos with him, and, you know, he was he was a known kid. Boy, and, and War, I think. His, it's the same kid. And War, on. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the book-ended albums, right. yeah, yeah. Mm. War and Boy. But despite that, despite that it was kind of almost like a cameo by a Dublin celebrity and despite the fact that he's on the skateboard and and he's also a professional skateboarder, it's still needless. I just thought it was a stupid scene to have in the movie and I just cut that out. There's three minutes you have back to make it a bit more, you know, to move the story forward a little bit more. It's weird that, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you in that that scene kind of sticks out as... You know, it's memorable, but maybe it's memorable for the wrong reasons. Like, you know, I kind of like the fact that because when I saw it for the first time and he does that whole, you know, you know, well, what are you? I'm a singer. Well, you know, sing. And he's like, well, here. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, no. All right. Well, good luck. And it's kind of it's like nice and cordial. And he and he goes off. But I I was like, well, I mean, if he can't sing on the street, he can't sing in front of people or whatever. But yeah, you could you could easily cut that that whole thing i mean 
I do like that montage. I do like a montage of, you know, people trying out for something. Because there's so many things in that montage that slowly I understood what they were over time. Because I didn't know who Morrissey was, you know. Yeah. But heaven knows yeah. I'm miserable yeah. now. I didn't get that at the time that he was like a Morrissey head. And, yeah. you know, Barry Manilow, who, you know, who your influences. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't get get a lot of those. I didn't know what a Cajun yeah. was. I just thought thought it was funny that Colomini was um, was uh, getting offended at Elvis being dragged through the mud <laughs> or whatever. Um, the other stuff is just like, like Dre. You already mentioned it, like the, the, the nipple scene where they're talking about imagine you're yeah. just imagine you're 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 kissing a nipple, and then he's. And then he says, oh, well, you know, who, who is the nipple you're kissing? Oh, well, I'm a bit embarrassed. It's a girl across the road from me. Uh, she's still in she's school. She's still in school, yeah. Like, what, what, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, it's you, should be, you should be like, more we're, than we're embarrassed, in, mate. Yeah. We're, we're not like in Game of Thrones. Like, it's we're not in like the, you know, the, the 1600s. It, it's 1990. It's still wrong to say that in a film or have, have that in a, such a weird line to but have how, in a movie. how old is he meant to be? Because I... I Probably 19. nineteen or eight. Yeah, he's in his yeah. yeah. He's in his like late teens, early twenties. I, I suppose guess. they they can get away with it because you know the girl could be seventeen or eighteen. But yeah, like, still yeah, she's school. she's still at school. So he he does change the name to Kim Bassinger, right? So it he he makes it okay yeah. in the end. He's not actually thinking about this school kid. When like, yeah, he yeah. he feels bad about thinking people. about her. That's the thing. Like you know, he's yeah. not like. Oh, I'm thinking about this. Oh, she's still at school. Oh, nipples. For my cutting room floor here, I have a... Like, how bad is Glenn Hansard in this as an actor? Yeah. He is well, atrocious. He, he, he's not exactly like uh, lighting up, shooting the lights out in one seat. Or, yeah. You know, oh, like it, no, I know. Yeah, like he 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 isn't a great. And the thing about like, and that's it. Like, I I know we didn't really have the category, but like, how do you explain this the film in one sentence? I actually had a note here. A lot of dubs who like to curse who can't act form a band don't need to fuck it up. <laughs> and like the, and like they did when when the when Alan Parker was you know auditioning guys um for the movie, his priority was musical talent and yeah. you know stage persona stage presence oh and then acting yeah, yeah. so the first audition was a mute and you and, and 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 i think it, overall it worked well because it it's enough it's it enough to cover real. isn't it because what yeah. everyone yeah. remembers like is the the music to be honest like for me it's um yeah try a little tenderness i think user got you guys are mustang sally but try a little tenderness like that final performance of that song is oh it's gorgeous electric. yeah yeah i think well, it's probably well, my favorite version of that song ever well, Tre- yeah. Trev likes uh, Mustang Sally. I didn't. I mean, I kind of like um, the dark end of the street. I like that. Mm. Or I like the, the, yeah. the, I actually found myself singing, or the one that stuck in my head most, weirdly enough, was the, um, uh, I ain't never loved a man the way, the way. that I, yeah, yeah. I love, I love you. you. Because, because I was. And just, I'm sorry, just, and just to correct my own memory on that. Or my own f- statement on it. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes is the Mustang ah, Sally rehearsal oh, yeah. scene. It's not your favorite but scene. I would oh, yeah. agree, 
that one of the best uh, but Trial of the Tenderness is definitely a better song yeah. if you're listening yeah. if, you're, if you're on Spotify listen to the soundtrack that's the best one as a song yeah. it's fucking and, and that, like, that's the that's the climax of the movie you know that's the big yeah. that's the big tune the crescendo yeah uh, at the end yeah. you know and it's it's where it's, it's where it all comes together and they have that kind of those shots those kind of like crash zoom ins to the band afterwards and the crowd's going wild yeah, yeah. and they've like they did about seven too many of them <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, like, I really oh, I learned a new them. trick on my, I learned a new trick on my camera. Oh, quick, do <laughs> yeah. do seven of them right now, please. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you know when you figure out how to do something and you just repeat it constantly for the whole day. But um, but I th- yeah. I think um, I think Glenn Hansard and the guy playing the bass player and the drummer. And like a lot of them are kind of not yeah. great. I, even like your man playing Jimmy Rabbit, there's there's bits in it where he's like the the scene where they're on the dart, and he's talking about soul being the the music of riding, and yeah, and he goes, but it's 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 honest. That's what it is. You know, that's really clunkily delivered, and yeah, he, it's clear he's not like an actor. But that kind of gives it its charm or something, and yeah. I I found yeah. myself laughing at how I was like, all right, yeah, he's definitely he's like he was a musician and he was I think he was going to be the lead singer in the band at one point. Yeah, yeah. But then your man, sixteen uh, year old, um, I still can't believe he's sixteen. I know uh, Andrew Andrew a Strong, massive man. Who, in fairness to him, does have a great voice and does have that yeah. kind of... He does that sort of Joe Cocker, I'm being possessed by the spirit of soul. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pull, Pulling his faces and, and whatnot. Um, and I do remember reading about it at the, uh, uh, a few years ago that they recorded all of the vocals live when they did, when they shot it. They had, like, the oh. music on a backing track. But mm-hmm. all all of the vocals in the movie are done live and in the moment. Wow, which is which is impressive because they're all very very good singers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like he's he's not he's actually quite good at playing a dickhead. Like you know he's really, um, he's really good in it. But oh, he's yeah. very unlikable to his credit as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. there's a lot of I think yeah I think Glenn Hansard and the guy playing the bass. And a couple of other characters, like the guy playing piano, the 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 doctor who turns out to be a doctor character, the kind of yeah. posh guy. They're yeah, they're all a little bit kind of, um, they're, yeah, they're not actors. Your point on 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 strong. Um, one of the things I, I I did think about when I was watching it was all the other characters and the commitments. You like them off stage, and then you kind of as a result also like the one stage yeah. Yeah. where strong is the one character he just hate him you hate every minute of him off stage because he's such an asshole yeah. except for that the first scene when he's in the, he's in his job and he's all humble and he's wearing his bus conductor uniform yeah. and you know jimmy comes to him and asks him to be in there he's a nice guy there but then just the ego builds and builds and builds mm. and he just becomes this asshole yeah but then yeah. every time he's on stage you just totally warm to him and, and like that's the, the, that's the reality of a lot of performers that are just assholes, but they get on stage and they just turn it on, and then people love them. You, you know? know, I loved actually so I when the three girls are doing their numbers. He mm. sits down and he's just notably like, "Fuck's <laughs> yeah. sake!" He's actually cursing at the girls because they're he's having bored. their moment yeah, in yeah. front of the audience. He's banging his tambourine, going, "Fuck's sake!" Yeah, yeah what it's about brilliant. me? So plot holes, right? 
we touched on a few things already like ed you talked about the montages are a bit weird and we talked about the guy playing like practice and bass in the pig factory like that's just like, it's not a plot hole but it's just like it, it's, just a trope. it's a trope it's a it's it's a movie trope that makes no sense in reality you wouldn't be able to bring your yeah. bass guitar to the slaughterhouse the here we are getting ready for i, wor- I worked in our jobs yeah i worked in a in a in a meat factory in burr for six months mm. and if i was like playing in a band on the weekends and i brought my guitar in to fucking play my guitar while we're making sausages oh, i would yeah. have been fucking fired you know it just... know. was the christmas party a sausage fest <laughs> it was when i was involved hey um yeah the guy playing the piano on the back of the truck all that stuff annoys me um like i've, I've little notes here like okay he, he keeps fake interviewing himself and he keeps saying yes. terry now i'm assuming he's he's referencing terry wogan it, like if, if this guy is like a musical savant type guy or you know he, he's an encyclopedic you know database of yeah. of uh, of soul music in his brain he knows what's hot what's not why is he being interviewed in this fantasy interview by terry wogan like no why jimmy not? you tell me <laughs> you had a band called the commitments the, commi- the commitments no, you wanted to play soul <laughs> why was that yeah. Yeah, who who does who does the Terry refer to? It's it is one of those things where it's the sort of thing he's a twenty something year old man, but he's doing yeah. something that uh, a teenage boy would do. Yeah, you know, it's almost like he he's he's like a whisker away from getting a hairbrush out and singing Johnny Be Good yeah. in the mirror mm. to himself or something, you know. Unless he's got ultimate finger on the pulse and he's fantasizing about being interviewed by NPR's Terry Gross, <laughs> which would be very, very, uh, very ahead of its time. Maybe, very ahead of its time. There's a bit where when Joey the Lips gets with uh, Natalie for the first time, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm going to go get the chips. And she's like, I'll, I'll come with you, Joey. And yeah. Derek. I'll eat them out of your knickers. And- <laughs> <laughs> as per usual Derek De- Derek the saxophone player he sees them kissing right but he sees them because he goes out to have a cigarette outside yeah and the in whole his cowboy the, waistcoat but the whole movie they've just been smoking wherever oh, yeah. indoors wherever but he suddenly decides to walk outside to go for a cigarette yeah. Yeah. and it's only because it that's only it's there because so he, he gets to see that yeah that's a good point. And it didn't register with me because of we live in the smoking ban Ireland. Yeah. So, but Andrea, yeah. can I ask you this as, yeah. as a woman, as yeah. a straight woman, uh, is this a plot hole? Joey the Lips Fagan I, getting yeah. it on I with every thing. single member of the backing uh, girls. I think that was a bit, was that a bit of a like, kind of like disgusting trope of once you're a musician, it doesn't matter what you look like, you'll get the girls. Is it? Is is? <laughs> Maybe, I, I yeah. think it was because he's I think the most talented of... musician there. Yeah, and by his own yeah, hype he's, as he's well, the, he's the most he... accomplished. Yeah, but... and it's also I think because he bought and sold everyone else. Yeah, you know, in the movie, whether it's Colin Meany's dad or Jimmy or everyone, he's this experienced guy that has like all these stories to tell. Yeah, and that's why I thought he did it. <laughs> But like, but I don't know. But is it a bit of um, because it because he has all these connections that it's yeah. 
it's just playing up to the groupie the groupie factor but then in mm. the end don't you realize that he was just a massive bullshitter well he he wasn't though because um pickett wilson pickett came at the end yeah yeah he was just too late in, in, in the big rolls royce he was just yeah. too late for the gig ah right oh yeah so yeah, that yeah. was the uh, yeah hey man do you, hey man do you know a club called around here called gallagher's hey you know a movie called The Commitments? I meant to be appearing in it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they rolled the credits on that fellow uh, oh, 10 minutes ago. Yeah, we're going to roll the credits in two minutes. Uh, unless you want to do a spin around and I'll wave at you and then we're going to finish up. <laughs> but you know the, okay. the letter that his mother gets at the end? And then I can't remember who he says he's gigging with. And your man. Oh, yeah. Joe uh, Tex or something. Just says, Joe Tex died. That's funny because he's been dead for seven years or something. You know, I thought that was a yeah. bit of a revealing oh, yeah. point. I don't know why. Yeah, because they, they kind of do that throughout the movie where they're, they're, you know, they suspect or they're trying to lay the, the, the grounds of suspicion that he's a bullshit artist or whatever. And, you know, they're look Yeah, like when they're looking at the album, they're like, you know, uh, J J Fagan, and they're like, you know, it's ah, it's a very very common name in Detroit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like because when he does that, um, the bit where he puts on Shaft, which again was the first time I ever heard Shaft, the song, or I had no idea what Shaft was, and he does that cheesy, "I'm gonna be you, damn right, I'm gonna be your everything," yeah. and then she just goes. Brona Gallagher comes into frame and she's like, Joey, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And ride the hole off me. And she doesn't say that. But but she's like, shut the fuck up. And then and then they go back and it's I suppose it's kind of more like the 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 reaction to everyone else because, you know, Derek, the saxophone player, who probably is the worst man in the whole movie, he because, you know, he turns out to be like a really uh, good jazz musician in the end, which is kind of like probably the worst thing that could happen uh, yeah. for for any of these people. But he's like he's he's porking her. I think he says porking her at some point. Porking, yeah, which is yeah. such a fucking horrible expression. And then yeah. uh, Andrew Strong's character is like you know calls her calls her a slut, uh, calls Natalie a slut, and Brona Gallagher's you know pushes him off the piano. Uh, yeah. saying you know well she she fuck she rode him and and he goes then she's a slut <laughs> like there's a lot of fucking <laughs> misogyny going around in this movie yeah. well uh, th- that was something i had on the cutting room floor that we I, I suppose i didn't get to but there's a lot of sexist stuff like you know how are you gorgeous all right love and a lot of squeezing and touching and yeah, yeah. derogatory stuff to and even the whole scene like the girls coming down the ladder and then before that scene when they when the three girls arrive at the house, the camera is like on the ground, up skirt, looking yeah. up the stairs, and, and they're walking up the steps to the house. Because she's like, and she's like on the on the steps of the house. She's like, you know, oh, I think I've got a ladder Catch. in me tights, and she like pulls yeah, her. Let and me you lift see her my whole, skirt a, little, a few inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. exposes her whole thigh, and then they're all, yeah. you fucking get up the fucking ladder, you fucking, you fucking know these lads. I fucking fucking, I don't know. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I laughed at how many fucks there were in that scene. <laughs> Yeah, so I think a lot of that stuff wouldn't be in the in the reboot today yeah. if, if they were making it. You know, speaking of which, who like to fast forward to that point? Ooh. Who would be in the reboot if we were to do it? 
I had I had Aiden Gillen as uh, as Joey the Lips. I thought he would have been a good Lips guy. Yeah, you know? strange. The, lo- the Lord has sent me to stop the fighting in Ireland <laughs> and to spread soul and jazz in Dublin. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy, let's be in a band together. <laughs> oh, Trev, that is hands down the best impression you've ever done. <laughs> didn't even practice that one <laughs> it's so good just it's in you i was i was gonna say like if they did it now to do something like have glenn hansard be the joey the lips character but that's much better you're you're yeah your 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 call is much better it, it's his grin it's the grin he gives when he's through the helmet that smile he gives jimmy in the first scene yeah. as soon as he gave that smile i'm just imagining aiden gill and other voices staring down the lens saying i've got a band to show you it's a great band come on sansa yeah um i have mondo from fair city as jimmy rabbit is another one and then i was thinking colomini just playing every character like we, we watched coming to america last week yeah. where you've eddie murphy doing it Imagine Colin Murphy just playing every character Colin in the Murphy. movie. I, I'd pay double for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like get Rick Baker to do like a whole load of different makeups and have him play like a dozen <laughs> yeah. a dozen Dublin characters, including two women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Philomena yeah, yeah. Meany. They'll be eating out of me knickers with the with the chips. Is that the line, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and do you know who Tom Hanks would play in the He'd play a record, uh, a record deal guy. Oh yeah, that's good. And just for any viewers that or listeners that this is the first time listening, we have a segment basically <laughs> yeah. called, and this is this is a segment that's driven by Andrea's complete obsession <laughs> uh, of Tom of Tom Hanks. Who could Tom Hanks play in the movie? Now all I have is a weak one. I, I'm saying Jimmy Rabbit because he did that movie. Um, oh my God, what's the movie? That, that, thing, that, you that thing you do. That thing you do. So he, he's already put a band together in a movie and I just think he'd be a good Jimmy Rabbit. Um, dr- the drinking games, I just have, like what drinking games can you play in the movie? Just take a, take a shot when everyone, when any time anyone says fuck. Yeah, Jesus. Um, you'd be dead. Christ. You would be dead. You'd have liver failure. You'd, you'd, you'd be dead after you, you 20 would, minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even. Has, has this movie entered anything into the lexicon, right? The only thing I have is if you want to just put some parameters on this and just let's call it the Irish lexicon, the Irish sphere of pop culture. I think the commitments brought the likes of Wilson Pickett and Otis Redding and all these guys into the lexicon because it it brought soul into the Irish. Like uh, people, I I definitely know people that 100% in the nineties would have said, Oh yeah, I'm into soul music. And the only album that they have is the commitments (laughs) album. (laughs) But yeah, I, I think yeah. soul music has been entered into the Irish lexicon via the commitments. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I'm sure there's other. Yeah. I think there's. I'm sure there's other things. It it showed how funny Irish people could be, and how funny mm. Irish uh, humor is. I think it put Irish humor on the map in a way that hadn't been expressed before. Yeah. And then maybe you know if you didn't have the commitments and that kind of real, but funny point of view that kind of comes comes yeah. from roddy doyle um and then you know it leads on to stuff like father ted and that kind of you know I, irish sensibility and irish sense of humor yeah. but for sure it definitely did did something for me i mean, like i remember because the album sold like gangbusters yeah. you know they released like two 
you know, they released like a second volume and stuff. And definitely it, it for sure made that music kind of popular again, because in the kind of late eighties, nineties, that was like before, you know, grunge and before yeah. uh, disco and house music and ecstasy came along and all this kind of stuff. There wasn't much in the way of, of, of music really, you know, everyone, everyone yeah. was trying to be the new U2 <laughs> and try and ape that kind of thing. And there was a lot of bands that were trying and record executives were trying to sign the next U2 essentially and signed a bunch of bands yeah. that didn't quite make it. But the commitments being like, listen to this great fucking music from the 60s and 70s and yeah. listen to how good it is. Although mm. if you think about it, and that's one of the kind of, we didn't talk about it with with plot holes is like how were the band ever going to be successful playing other people's music <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. how could this be a profitable endeavor yeah like, <laughs> like when i mean i i know yeah. obviously andrew strong's character deco is a great great singer and he goes on and obviously people write songs for him and he sings them and that's how he yeah. he becomes a you know a, a singer of other people's songs but the rest of the band you know, they're not writing original music or anything. It's not like they're just session musicians. Yeah. It's yeah. not like in in like the Doors or something where Jim Morrison's like, "Oh, I got this, I got this, these lyrics," and oh, I, hey, I got a little tune. Let's put it together. There's no scene <laughs> like that. It's just like let's yeah. practice these soul standards. But then at the time, you could make a living from being a working gigging group, like you, like well, you were saying, the, Trevor. It was the, like, the show band, era. yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, Trev, it's it's the kind of it's the the golden age of going out to a gig and you know having a few drinks and having a dance and yeah. having the crack and w when it was still kind of affordable and also when people fucking wanted to do that and let off some steam because they were working all week. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't Google the inflation calculator this time around, <laughs> um, which I which I do in some movies, but. Jimmy Another got, great soul band, the inflation calculator. I love those guys. <laughs> we we should have the inflation calculator segment. Maybe I'll add it to the segment uh, yeah. for the pod. But Jimmy was handed something like two or three hundred pound, you know, for doing that yeah. doing that gig in the night. Two hundred, yeah. That's two hundred pound, wasn't it? Like that's that's nineteen ninety old Irish punts. That's 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 top dollar. Like, if I know, got two hundred quid for a gig these days, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah that's it like you know doing a gig in you know in uh 2020 dublin you're talking like uh yeah you'd be splitting that by <laughs> between a few people yeah uh, so yeah not bad for a band playing a couple of oldest redden songs so product placement look there's not a lot that like it as you'd imagine it, there's there's pr there was probably no like you know strategic product placements in the movie but just you yeah. know casually and you know circumstantially dead pigs D dead pigs is one <laughs> yeah the the dart uh is obviously a you know a, a big feature of the movie it's it, it's in two or three big scenes yeah. and irish permanent was a big thing that jumped out yeah, just that on the, the dart railway sign and the on the dart yeah. the bridge sign was that, there too because that was yeah. there for years that, yeah. that, that that's one of those signs that i think it's still there right um, I don't know. It's probably changed I, now. It's probably something else. I think else. there's a bummer. I, do you know what? I haven't yeah. been into oh. the city centre in a year. So, like, um, it's going up to a year that I haven't driven that road. So, I don't know what's there now. Yeah. I will yeah. I will go and check 
And then <laughs> on the next episode, I'll, I'll let we'll you know. Co- we should, we'll have a callback corner in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eds, check the city segment. <laughs> so I'm closest for to Trev's city. trivia. Oh, wait, pro- product placement. I've got one more for product placement. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm ro- w- when I was watching, and it's product placement, and also it's kind of a plot hole. When I was watching the bit where uh, uh, Joey the Lips is talking to J- Jimmy's dad about Elvis's dad, Vernon, throwing up in Gina. Mm. That's me trumpet. Um, <laughs> please forgive my daddy. Um, forgive my daddy. But they're all sitting around drinking cans of guinness out of cans out of now when was the widget invented i'm gonna guess i'm gonna i thought it was like a 1989 yeah so even even with the widget it's probably the 90s can you crack a can of guinness and then just leave it settle and then just drink it out of the can or is it you have to pour it into a glass fizzy guinness those cans they're like carbonated guinness that they're drinking oh it's it's actually delicious oh yeah it's a it's a taste sensation. Now. Fizzy yeah, Guinness. You can, yeah, you can get them in Tesco. It's just like um, it's just a traditional. They used to call them the sergeant bottles, <laughs> but in a can I don't know what it's called. But it's nice. It's just fizzy. Trevor, Guinness. how um, old are you? Are you <laughs> the sergeant's <laughs> bottles? A sergeant's bottles. That sounds like that sounds like uh, drinking fizzy Guinness. Just sounds like a, a recipe for disaster on the other end of your of your body. If you get if you get if you catch my drift, but um, if you catch my if you catch my, but um, yeah, that that kind of struck me that oh they're drinking Guinness out of cans just because who yeah. does that anyway? But also Guinness, yay! I'm drinking it right now, yay! <laughs> spawn, spawn, hashtag spawn. Yeah, send me Guinness for 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 Tre- for Trev's trivia. Look, we've covered a lot of the trivia during the natural course of the conversation. One thing that we'll we'll all probably be aware of, but we just haven't talked about it, is the cores. Um, Andrea Core yeah. obviously is Jimmy's little sister in the movie, and but what a lot of listeners may not know, or they probably will know if they're fans of the commitments, is that actually all of the cores were in the movie. Yeah. So uh, Sharon Core can be seen playing the violin with a with the country and western band that Bernie joins at the end of the movie. Jim Core is part of that avant-garde, avant-garde clue band. Yeah. He's in. He's <laughs> in Caroline it for a second. Core. Yeah, in a second. Yeah, yeah I don't Caroline remember. Core. I don't remember him in it. Me neither. Oh, yeah, the to, blinking. I, I I paused it. I sent you a, a a picture and was like Jim Core. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I didn't it, know. It, it's the perfect amount of Jim Core though that you want to see in a yeah. movie. You know, like you know, if you blink, you literally miss it. So it's 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 fine. <laughs> I have a question for Trev's trivia that I don't know the answer to, but you know at the start during the the market scene, he yeah. uh, Jimmy pulls a load of t-shirts out of his bag and tries to sell them, and mm-hmm. th- nobody wants them. Who's on the t-shirt? Because I thought it was Sinead O'Connor. Paul McCartney. It looks like Paul McCartney on the t-shirt. Ah, yes, yes. Yes, and then, you're right. right. It is. It is. But th- it is. this this really ages the movie as well because beside okay. him, not only is he selling a t-shirt of Paul McCartney, but beside him, there's a woman who has a Fido Dido t-shirt, the Seven Up <laughs> uh, mascot that oh, maybe some yeah. people may remember or not. But yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's yeah. selling a he's selling a Paul McCartney t-shirt. But you're right. It is. It's only when you say it now I remember seeing the face. It's like the side profile. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of just. He's just like white on black. It's just a kind of a, a yeah, bare kind yeah. of. Uh, yeah. 
you know, it's just, you know, it's Paul McCartney. You know, everyone knows what it looks like. Okay, other other Trev's trivia. Alan Parker had a couple of alternative casting choices for Joey DeLipsfagan. One was Bob Oskins, which, like, I just, that's that's not even, that can't happen. Like, maybe you could work, Bob Oskins can be quite funny. I think, like, he was, yeah, I think it would have, I think it would have worked. But also, it probably would have been because he's too famous. Mm. I think it would have been like, oh, look, Bob, you would have been t- kind of just going, oh, look, it's Bob Hoskins playing a trumpet player. It, it also heavily depends on the, the ability that Bob would have on playing a Dublin accent, unless he was going to be just like change yeah. the character lad, to be yeah. like to be an English lad. Oh, yeah. Joey the Lipsfagan, are is the other the other Joey the Lipsfagan uh, casting uh, almost was Van Morrison. Van Morrison was almost going to play. He would have just uh, been, it, that would have been true, too true to, to heart. Like he would have just been arguing with everybody. He's meant to be the most difficult person in the world. He's one of the most antagonistic. Yeah, yeah he's, he, he is. Yeah, an, yeah. Like I, I, anytime I hear of um, Van Morrison, I always think of the story I heard about uh, him and Bob Dylan went for dinner together <laughs> and they, they, they'd never met each other. And this rich like millionaire was in town and he knew, he knew Van and he knew Bob and he was like, Try, and it was he wanted to have this like traveling Wilbury style dinner where you know bringing these two bring amazing <laughs> artists together to kind of like oh imagine how good that would be and he, he kind of twisted both of their arms to come for dinner and neither of them wanted to be there God. and the, the two of them just like sat in total silence for the entire meal would not talk to each other and then before dessert came Bob just got up and goes I to, I'm getting out of here I'm leaving and he just left and Van Morrison had said nothing for two hours at this point, and it, he broke his silence and turned to his manager and just said, "Bob's in good form tonight." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Fucking hell! But anyway, yeah, Van Morrison would have been a disaster. Um, Jesus Christ! Like it's. Just, I mean, yeah, Van Morrison can't even do. Have you ever heard him speak? Van Morrison kind of talks like this now, and he's sort of he's American, and he he he's got a weird Belfast mm. American accent. Mm. That is yes. just yeah. Colomini's accent can be a bit LA-ish these days. If you hear him recently talking in interviews, like he has a Dublin accent, but there's a bit of there's a bit of LA to his to the twang as well. You spend ten years in space with a bunch of Americans, and you're going to sound like that too. <laughs> there's a, two, two other points on Alan Parker. Well, one point on on uh, Alan Parker. He had turned down a chance to direct Les Mis. For this movie, Arabla. So Les Mis, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you're if if, if you're like me and Dre and you're musical people, yeah. uh, Ed, you don't need to give the whole name. You just say Les Mis. <laughs> you know, just get with the program here, please. You know, sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah. No problem. And speaking of musicals, there is another uh, unconfirmed fan theory, but it's everywhere if you Google it, where people think that Glenn Hansard's character in Once is actually Outspan Foster. Who was oh, yeah, like yeah. obviously his character in, in in the commitments, and at the end of the commitments, he is seen busking in one of the last scenes. Yeah. That's like that's what he ended up doing was just a busker. So, well, I mean, yeah. they're they're only drawing that conclusion because he's only ever been in two movies, and he's played a musician in both of them. In both mm-hmm. of them, yeah. which is what yeah, he actually yeah. and, is. And that's the other thought I had when I was looking at this, like whether like I'm I'm thinking commitments once, Sing Street, like a, a, a lot of the more famous movies that we've made in the last say 20 years 30 years 
they're all about putting bands together. So it's like if we're not filming about like famine or English oppression or Catholic guilt, we're putting a band together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've done anything else in, in the movies. Yeah. One, of those, one of those four things, you know. Um, we're doing our diddly diddly early lose. <laughs> diddly early lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's Trev's trivia. Okay, so we are arriving at the point of the conversation where we make a decision on whether this movie deserves a slot in the Sinistream vault or not. Now, to give this a bit of balance, I've decided to do a bit of additional research to give... Because, like, overall, I think we're probably pretty positive about this movie. Yeah. So, just for balance, I've decided to look up some of the one-star reviews that some of the IMDb users have submitted oh, to the beachy. wonderful world of IMDb. Yeah. Just to see what, like, what what kind of negativity is there out there on the movie? So I've got three. Some of them are quite long, so I'll just, I'll skim through them a little bit. But we've got Gordon Eleven, who's an IMDb user. Uh, his name is Gordon, I'm guessing. And he is, he gave a one-star review for the movie. And this is, his, this is his review for The Commitments, and I quote, This film is about a bunch of deprived people in a slum area forming a band. They hope to make it big with their soul music. I find The Commitments, in quotation marks, tedious and boring. The characters engage in endless t- tirade, shouting profanities at each other constantly. Full stop. The way they treat each other is simply sad. The clothes they wear are all dismally coloured. Furthermore, the film is set in a deprived area, meaning for unattractive sets and locations. All these things make the film very unattractive to me. It is made worse. And then a little, he's obviously a bit of an anorak. It is made worse by the poor lighting. <laughs> the, com- the commitment sounds like an uplifting film with heart and soul, but I was wrong. It is hostile and unlikable. I think that man has deeper issues. That like yeah. he, he he doesn't he doesn't like the movie because people's clothes are dirty. He forgot like, to add, <laughs> I can't masturbate to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, like I, I can't masturbate to poverty. And I'm really, really trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've got one eye closed and a clenched jaw, and my wrist is killing me. Yeah. I, so we've another guy here. His name, this guy is well. I'm assuming it's a guy. Maybe it's a girl. Uh, it's either we regarding Fox 08 or it's we're Fox 08. That's his name, her name. I don't know. When I watched it, and then in brackets, recently, it's, <laughs> so, so should we want to know? I knew after 15 minutes that I could never enjoy this <laughs> like I've, i don't think i've ever been in a film in the cinema and 15 minutes turn to paula say i could never enjoy this film <laughs> this is a movie that tries hard to be dot 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 funny dot 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 indeed it is funny Whoa. but in such a, but in such a contrived but in such a contrived way there is no audience laughter i don't know what that sentence means to put it simply this just does not work like lots of movies, it barely entertains. Jesus. Like, like lots of movies, it barely entertains. This is, a, this is a person who gets no joy out of the world. 
The last one, the last one star review we have on IMDb is by a person called CC, CC the Movie Man 1. CC the movie man one. I, I didn't I never I, I didn't read this before the before the show, so I'm just I'm just looking at that. Who puts that like if 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 the movie man is taken and if you're that un unoriginal that you're gonna call yourself the movie man on IMDB, to make it an original uh name, you're gonna put CC in front of it. Anyway. Unless he always carbon copies his friend the movie man in all his emails. Okay, so the last review. CC the movie man says this. The music makes this a very entertaining film, but mm. there are severe drawbacks, at least to people who aren't familiar with accents, <laughs> just with accents in general, uh, or maybe don't approve in the Lord's name in vain, or the F word being said every two seconds, as the Irish do in this film. So wow. what? We're, yeah, that's a bit. Now, hang on a minute now, fucking movie man. The bad news is <laughs> that Xenophobe. it <laughs> yeah, the bad news is that it portrays the Irish as extremely profane people who do nothing but scream at each other and tell each other to F off. One hopes this isn't representative of the entire country. In a nutshell, great music, fairly interesting story, but profane, blasphemous and full of scummy people. Whoa. Do you know, he's not wrong, but also yeah. he is wrong. Get off the fucking bus, Ed. What? I mean, he, but like, like it's yeah. There's profanity and there's scummy people in it, of course. Yeah, it's like watching The Wolf of Wall Street and saying they're all very greedy. I wouldn't yeah. like that. <laughs> That's not my cup of tea. Yeah. I mean, the I the, the drummer in the movie is like goes from being a, a completely violent uh, scumbag to a drummer. <laughs> and he yeah, learns yeah. the drums really quickly in an afternoon but um yeah, yeah scum that sounds like some fucking posh english person wrote that or something i don't fucking yeah 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 and look not a sound english person that listens to this podcast yeah <laughs> yeah so there's some balance right um but look in a nutshell we're we're, we're trying to figure out this if this deserves a slot in this industry involved i'm going to start the conversation because I'm, I I fear it might go a certain way and I'll put my tuppence in before it does. I would actually be reluctant to put this into the sinistry involved. <gasps> Ooh. Really? Fucking turncoat cunt. <laughs> <laughs> There's that profanity. Well, so, yeah, within the pr within the parameters of the of the of the sinistry club rules, you know, we we can't look at every Irish movie because we talked about it. it. They're not available on the platforms at hand. You can't see them on Prime or Netflix mm. or even even renting them on 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 Google Play and on Apple TV. So it, it's hard. It it kind of reduces what we're what Irish content we can put on this podcast. Yeah. But having said that, there are so many other Irish movies that would strongly merit you know a place in the vault, and even within the Barrytown trilogy, like. The Snapper, I, I think if we rewatch this and we analyze it and have the conversation about it, I think that would be something that would totally get a place in the vault. I do. There's a couple but of things. What you are might... you saying, Trevor? Are you saying there's only room for one Irish film in this <laughs> industry vault? Is that yeah, what you're saying? I think you got you got to take it on its uh, as a movie on its own merits. You do. And uh, on that note, then with the commitment, I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was great. It was funny. Would I watch it again? Yeah, of course I would. It's the commitments. 
would I watch it next year? Probably not. Would I watch it in five years' time? Maybe. It's not. It's not something that like we talked about. Back to the Future and Mrs. Doubtfire. They're movies that you could probably watch once a year for the rest of your life. Yeah. And on that yeah. on that bar on that benchmark, I don't think the commitments comes. I'm not saying it doesn't come close. I just don't think there, it's at that level of a movie. And that's why I'm saying that I possibly wouldn't put her into the vault. Um, I think this definitely deserves to be in the vault. And even in little side subsection of the Irish Cinestream vault. Um, <laughs> and he, you were saying like you, you wouldn't rewatch it every year. I don't think I would either. But I got so much joy from watching it last night with my brother that I like if there wasn't a lockdown or whatever, I'd love to watch this with my parents because it brought a special kind of joy from watching the local on TV Yeah, that I kind of cherish that. And and my, my cousin in America happened to text me out of the blue last night. So I sent her a link to watch the film. So she mm-hmm. started watching it. This is the cousin who's from Darndale. Yeah. So I was just sitting there waiting for her to start watching it and, and you know, to, to enjoy it as much as we were. And, um, yeah, for that reason, I think it's just, it's gonna hold. I'm really, really glad that we did watch it now because it it wouldn't have been on my radar radar since you know last time I watched it, I was about fourteen. Yeah, and um, yeah, really happy. And it, I've it's this this film would I think Mrs. Doubtfire and this film have been the top the top uh, films of my Cinestream journey with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something I wouldn't have watched that often and before i rewatched it the last time i watched it was maybe like three or four years ago and i remember when i watched it three or four years ago it'd been so long since i'd seen it i'd completely forgotten a lot of it and i was just like oh i've forgotten how good how good this is i think in in some in, in a way trev you're right and then you know andrea said it as well it's like it's not maybe something you would watch every year but if you haven't seen it in a long time i would highly recommend watching it yeah yeah it's one it is one of those movies that maybe people are like oh i've seen the commitments you know once ages ago would i watch it again i don't know i would say yeah watch it it's actually really good it's kind of funnier than i remember it's got loads of really quotable funny lines and it moves along at a pace and yeah, maybe you're not going to watch it every year, but I think as a kind of a, a, I don't want to say blockbuster, but a mainstream entertainment movie that's of its time that wouldn't be made today because there's just too much profanity in it. Um, and it's too dirty and we don't view it ourselves as dirty Irish people who ride around on horses and f- say fuck and shite uh, all the time. <laughs> So it is a kind it is a kind of a of a of a time capsule of a of a movie but yeah. I think it's a I think it's just a really really good movie and it's got great fucking music in it as well. So the other thought I had right and look it's two against one here but the other thought I had was uh, this is probably a weak bone to pick or a nit to pick but the film is about 2 hours long. There's probably, and I didn't count it, but let's just say there's eight songs 
sung in the movie, maybe more, maybe less. They're, 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 none of them are original songs. They're, sorry, yeah, they're, they're not like original to the movie. They're, 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 you know, they're covers of famous songs. So, so subtract the minutes by the, you know, the performance time. Suddenly you're down to probably like an hour ten of, of of original content in the movie, original content in the movie. And I know this is a weak argument, but I just think now you're left with like an error, an error in 10 of original dialogue. And that's the original part of the movie. And I know there's lots of movies out there that like don't like walk the line and all these other movies that like they have well-known songs in the movie. But they're within the context of the story being told. It's not like a like it's the only film that I know that's like about a cover band. And there's lots of like airtime mm. given to the covers. Yeah. There's a couple of moments in the movie when they were singing covers where I got a little bit bored, where I was kind of going, okay, yeah, I get it. Like there's like two or three big numbers and you're enjoying it. And then there's a couple of times when there's like all these gigs and you're like, hmm. I'd rather just hear them in a room talking about the gig or I'd rather them just like having more of that banter that, that you see in the rest of the movie. I, I think there's a bit of fat in the movie. There's a bit of, to your point, you use the term bloat a bit now and again. There's a bit of bloat in the film. I think, and for such a short film, it, you know, I think it's it can't really afford to have much bloat in it, and that's part of the reason why I think it's not that like insanely rewatchable type of film. You know, you're not going to watch mm. it every year because if you watched it every year, you'd be you'd be flicking through it or you'd be turning it off. So, okay, look, two against one, fair enough. Um, I will open the vault and put it in. It will be noted though. Every movie's every movie that gets a unanimous noted. decision it sounds like a dictatorship. Now. It will be noted. Every movie that gets a unanimous a unanimous decision on, you know, it's it's it, it's an all round yes. A shiny a new donkey for every movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every movie that the three of us agree on gets an asterisk beside it on my list that nobody sees in my Google Doc. <laughs> this will not get an asterisk. This movie will not get an asterisk because it was two against one. But I'll put her in the fucking vault if you want it. Uh, yes, please, Trev. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, it's Trev. In the vault. Thank you, it's our in, glorious leader. In. Yeah, get in yeah. there. And don't ride, say I don't listen. Sally, right. Right. <laughs> this is the best place you'll ever work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. you do she, get weary, and when Trevor she, does get weary. Weary after four beeries. That's how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Me too, baby. Yeah. Well, that's um, good. That's good. It's in the vault. Thank you, Trev. No yeah. problem. I Back aim to please. Back at the net. You got your. You got what you wanted. I'll. I'll watch it again in ten years, and we'll have the same conversation. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. I have reluctantly lodged the commitments into the Sinistrine Vault, but my little spreadsheet will not have an asterisk beside it. If you don't agree with any of this, please let us know. We're available for conversation on Instagram at the Sinistrine Club or on Twitter at the Sinistrine C1 because that was the best handle we could get. If you want to watch The Commitments, it's available on Apple TV or Google Play to rent or buy. Next week, we are going to a remote island of Costa Rica that you might know as Jurassic Park. If you want to play along, you can stream Jurassic Park in 4K on Amazon Prime. Talk to you next week. Enjoy Lockdown Paddy's Day. Be good, be safe, be careful.
As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today.